Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would turn in your Bibles to several passages tonight. (laughs) We're going to begin with Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. Um, so, I don't, as a rule, preach topical sermons. And I, I went through and tried to explain last week why I'm, I'm doing it right now, just a short series, probably through the month of January. We're four years in to planting Redeemer Baptist Church. And we've got faces that weren't here when we first started. And I want to kind of go back and just kind of refocus and and remind us of what we want to accomplish here planting this church in this place. There's other churches. People could drive someplace else. Uh, I mean, why here? Why this. Why do we do things the way we do here at Redeemer? So, we're taking just a few weeks to just kind of look at that. Last week, we looked at, uh, we're, we're kind of going through the, uh, the, the mission statement that I read at the beginning of every service. Uh, last week, we looked at why we want to worship God in biblical simplicity Okay, that's, that's, that was the theme of last week. And we looked at a text in Acts, we looked at a text in Nehemiah, and basically talked a lot about expository preaching. We talked about the things that the early church did and, and how we want to be like the early Christians in that way and not be innovating and, and trying to come up with all kinds of new ways of doing things, but just let's just be simple and come and worship without all the extras. This week we're looking at serving our community by meeting tangible needs. Um, The two are related. Remember, Jesus was asked, and that's that's in this first text that we're going to be looking at, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Right? I'm just going to save that until after I read it. Uh, We'll go ahead and read the text and we'll jump in. Matthew 22, verses 34 40. It says, But when the Pharisees had heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is likened to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all of the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we love you because you first loved us. Lord, speak to us now. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see as we look into your your holy and perfect word. In Jesus' name, amen. These first two parts of our mission, 
worshiping God in biblical simplicity and serving their community by meeting tangible needs. They go together because those are the two things that Jesus is talking about right here. To love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength. That's worship God in biblical simplicity. We looked at that last week. And this week, we're looking at serving our community by meeting tangible needs. That, I think, is encapsulated in the, in, in the other law, the second that's likened to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those two go together as the first and second commandments that Jesus said were, were higher than any others. Uh, and, and those two things are, are what the whole law and the prophets boil down to. And you can look at that in the Ten Commandments. In the Ten Commandments, you've got the first and the second tables of the law is what some call it by tradition. You've got the very first commandments that are all about our relationship with God. Uh, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any graven images. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. The first part of the Ten Commandments is all about worship. It's all about our relationship between God and us. And the rest of the law, the rest of the Ten Commandments is all about loving our neighbor. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. You shall not commit adultery. And all of that is about loving our neighbor. What does it look like to love our neighbor? It's what's in the second part of the law. It's, it's uh, not stealing, not killing, not all those things. So, Jesus says the, 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 the uh, law and the prophets are summed up in this. All of it hangs on love God and love your neighbor. As Redeemer Baptist Church, we want to worship God in biblical simplicity. We want to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength. And we want to serve our community by meeting tangible needs. And that's how we love our community. That's how we love our neighbors here in Panama and beyond. Mike read from Leviticus chapter 19. Remember, Jesus was asked the question, uh, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Well, Jesus didn't come up with love your neighbor as yourself out of thin air. <laughs> he, 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 his answer came directly from the law, from the first five books. It was from Leviticus. Uh, this was not something new that came up with Jesus. This is something that was, that was foundational to the Old Testament as well. As Mike was reading... Things like um, not withholding a laborer's wages. That's part of what it means to love your neighbor. Uh, things like um, leaving some of your produce out in the field so that the poor could have it. That's part of what it meant to love your neighbor. Uh, having, having righteous judgments and not showing partiality. That's part of what it means to love our neighbor. The first point we're looking at tonight, and why is it that we want to be a church that serves our community by meeting tangible needs, is the fact that God has called us the second thing beyond, the second thing just below loving Him is that we are to love our neighbor. And that's what we want to do. Um, this brings up another issue. Um, In the New Testament, we, we hear two different commands. 
We're to love one another. We're to love the brethren. And we're to love our neighbor. I think those are two different things. I think there's two different things. When he uses the term love your brother, love the brotherhood, love the brethren, when he says love one another, that's talking about the love that we have as Christians for one another. That's what we see back in the passage we looked at last week. When the early church, what did they do? If anybody had need, they, they sold everything and had everything in common so that they could meet one another's needs as a church, as believers caring for one another. Uh, we're, people, the world is going to look at us and know that we, the, 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 who we are. We're going to know we're Christians because of our love for one another as Christians. The way we love each other. But we also are not just to, to leave that love within the doors or within the gate of the fellowship. Our love is beyond just one another, but it is our neighbor, and that's everybody. And we think now of the story of the Good Samaritan. The question comes, if we're supposed to love our neighbor, who's our neighbor, right? Who's our neighbor? Jesus was asked that very question. We look at Luke chapter 10. You can turn there too. Or... I think Addie's got it up on the screen. Luke chapter 10. In verse 25. Actually, yeah, okay. No, I think it starts in verse 20. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So he's got the same answer that Jesus did, right? Jesus was asked, What's the greatest commandment? Jesus answered the same thing here. Now somebody else comes to Jesus and they ask, uh, what must I do to inherit the eternal, eternal life? Jesus throws the question back at them and they say the same thing that Jesus answered. And they say, love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to them, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. So he's basically saying, you've already got the answer. You know what to do. But he said, desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? That's the question we need to ask here. Who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man, who was, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road when he saw him and passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion, and, when, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave it to him, to them, Gave to them, I'm sorry, I can't read. And gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay when I come back. Which of the three do you think 
proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. So the man asked, uh, who's, his, who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells this story, not really answering who's my neighbor, but he's talking about how you can be a neighbor. Right? The answer is, uh, which one of these people was the neighbor, right? And it was the Samaritan. The Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. There was a racial divide. There was a religious divide. Um, yet the neighbor was not the fellow Jew. It was not the, the Levite. It was not the priest. The ones who uh, shared a, a common heritage, common religion. But it was the one that was different. So loving our neighbor, it means loving those who we, who people would be shocked that we would associate with. Right? Anybody would have been shocked that a Jew would associate himself with a Samaritan. So when we love our neighbor, that means we, we love the person down at the bar. When we love the person of a different race or religion, doesn't mean we agree with them. doesn't mean we think they're going to heaven. <laughs> but it means we love them. Our, when, we, when we're called to love our neighbor, it means we love every human being because every human being has been created in the image of God. Every human being on the face of this planet is of Value because they've been created in the image of God. It doesn't matter whether a person uh, is, is in the womb or whether they're in the prime of their life or whether they're 102. We are all created in the image of God and worthy of value and dignity. And it doesn't matter if that person is a homosexual or a transgendered person. We love them. We may disagree with them. We do disagree with them. But we love them. Now, that brings back a whole new set of issues. Right? Because many people will say, well, if you don't agree with me, if you don't affirm me, then you can't love me. I think the Bible rejects that kind of argument. It is what our society believes. So sometimes when we love people, they're not even going to receive it. They're not even going to understand that we're trying to be loving they're not going to understand that we're loving them when we tell them, you need to repent and turn to Jesus. But we still love. We don't do this out of a, out of a harsh tone of, of wanting to be condemning. We do this saying, we plead with you. Turn away from your sin. Trust in Jesus. We love our neighbor. And our neighbor includes everyone. Even the people who others would be shocked if we were associated with. The next thing we want to see, uh, our mission says we want to serve our community by meeting tangible needs. Right? Where does that come from? The tangible needs. Meeting tangible needs. Well, let's look at James chapter 2. 
James chapter 2. I think it's a familiar passage to many of us. Faith without works is dead, right? James chapter 2. Beginning in uh, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, I will admit, when we look at this text, it's talking about a brother, right? Talking about a brother. But I think that would be the case for anyone. It doesn't do us any good just to say, well, I hope you're doing well. We'll pray for you. And then we don't do anything when it's in our power to help them. We need to meet those tangible needs. We need to feed the poor. We need to help the hurting. We need to clothe those who who don't have adequate clothing. We need to be able to to meet the needs of people who are hurting. We need to provide avenues out of poverty. Maybe teaching people about economics. I mean, that's, that's one thing that maybe on down the road we could do is helping people in that kind of way by meeting a tangible need. We love our neighbor. Our neighbor is anyone. Not just other believers, but it's anyone. Anyone in our community. We want to love them. And now, uh, one of the ways that we do this as a church, from the very beginning, since we've had a budget, um, we designate that 10% of everything that goes, that's collected here in the offering, goes towards our benevolence fund. So that, uh, if we know of a need in the community that, that, um, that, that we're able to help with, we have those resources and, we, and we've given away, I don't know how much, but we've given significantly to different needs that have shown up in the community. That's one way that we serve our community by meeting tangible needs. Another way we serve our community by meeting tangible needs is uh, when we very first got started here at Redeemer, uh, a church planting catalyst came and visited with me here in town, and and he he drove around the community looking for things that that look like tangible needs here. And he noticed that a lot of the houses had that green stuff growing on the sides. He asked me, what do you think about we sent the team here to come and help you just power wash houses for anybody that sign up. It's one way that we serve our community by meeting tangible needs. You know, our, our community, the people that are in our mission field, the people that we want to reach with the gospel, many of them will never set foot in this building simply because it's a church. I heard a story about uh, J.D. Greer told about, and he's the president of the Southern Baptist Convention right now. He told about how he was a missionary in a Muslim country. 
Okay? And as he was a missionary in a Muslim country, it occurred to him one day, there is not one single reason, not for a wedding, not for a funeral, not for uh, you know, wanting for fellowship, not for any reason would he ever go inside of a mosque. Okay? And it's the same way with unbelievers here. Why in the world would they ever even think about coming in here unless there's already some kind of faith connection? We have people here in this community that may have never set foot in a church before and some others who may have had bad experiences in churches who never want to set foot in another church again and probably some of those bad experiences have been in this room. So why do we want to serve our community by meeting tangible needs? We've got to get out the door. Because if we just have our little holy huddle and meet in here, Get a pep talk. The world outside is just going to go to hell. So we meet tangible needs to show the love of Christ to a community that's never going to come in here unless Christ changes them first. And then finally... Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be? Restored. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people put a lamp, uh, uh, light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. It gives light to those, all those in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, this is a little bit tricky. This is actually a little bit tricky because, you see, in chapter 6, in the same sermon Jesus gives, He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people to be seen by them. Right? Beware of that. It's dangerous to practice your righteousness in front of others so that you may be seen by them. But here... Jesus is telling us that we should do our good works so that people will see them and give glory to God. It's a dangerous thing, yet it's a necessary thing. We don't want our heart's motivation to be doing all those things like power washing houses, like giving to benevolence. We don't want our motivation to be, man, those are good people. We want people to see what we do and give glory to God. We want people to see our good works and say, man, that is not what somebody normal would do. That's something that only somebody who must have been changed by Jesus can do. So, We want to be a light. And we don't want to hide our light under a bushel. 
like the old song. But we want to do good works. Not for our own benefit. Not so that people will see us and we'll get kind of praise and things, but we want people to see. He's saying the motivation why we let our light shine is so that people may see our good works and give glory to God, who is in, our Father who is in heaven. It's dangerous. It is dangerous because there is that temptation to want to seek glory for ourselves. But done with the right heart, done with the right motivation, and with the Spirit's enabling presence, you can't do it without Him. It can be used that people would be brought to Him and they would give glory to God. So that's why at Redeemer Baptist Church we want to serve our community by meeting tangible needs. We want to serve our community by meeting tangible needs because we want to love our neighbor as ourselves. We want to serve our community by meeting tangible needs because we believe our neighbor is everyone in this community and there's no borders to that. We want to serve our community by meeting tangible needs because it doesn't do us any good just to be all talk because talk is cheap. We've got to put some things into practice. And we want to serve our community by meeting tangible needs so that others will see our good works and glorify God. So, the last one. I did this last week too. The last one of our mission is we want to have Christ at the center of all we do. And I don't want to leave that out even on a sermon whenever we're not talking about that one. Okay. We go through this list of serving our community, loving our neighbor, and I don't know if you realize that this is law. This is law. This is do this. Do this. It could be, if we have it with the wrong motivation, if we take it with the wrong ears. But the fact of the matter is, none of us does this perfectly. We've all fallen short. We haven't loved our neighbor like we ought to. We must look to Christ. We must look to Him who loved us when we were still sinners. When we were far off. When we were alienated from God. We weren't just neighbors. We were enemies and rebels. We were hostile to God. And Jesus loved us so much that He came and He died for us. So we have Christ at the center of all we do. I don't want to preach a sermon that just do this and leave it at that. Because that's the surefire way to get into legalism. Bible tells us, do this. And by the way, all of our efforts in our own flesh are nothing. We can't do any of it apart from the fact of what Jesus has done inside of us first. So, love our neighbors, serve our community, and trust in Jesus. Uh-huh.
listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.